You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Yes, good morning, LifePoint Church. Everybody joining us on Facebook, on YouTube, thank you so much for being with us yet again in this online format. Uh, This morning, I'm actually not going to be speaking. I'm so excited to hear from Pastor Tony's heart. He's going to be wrapping up this series, Ready for Our Hope, this morning. Uh, But before we hear from the word this morning, I want to take a moment to honor the mothers of our house, because we are blessed with some amazing women uh, that make our church what it is, that have so, so impacted our lives, that have so influenced us. Uh, for God's glory. And so this morning, as a church family, we want to take a moment to honor the ladies of LifePoint Church. I want to pray a prayer of blessing upon each and every one of you. I want you to know that you are loved, that you are valued. You know, Proverbs 31 says that a, a woman that fears the Lord is more precious than jewels. And we believe that, that you are prized, you are valued in this house. And so I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing upon all of you and that you just experience um, so much blessing and anointing uh, today as you, um, as you are honored by those uh, around you and you're honored by LifePoint Church. I know uh, Mother's Day can oftentimes be a holiday of uh, mixed emotions. If, you, if you're an individual who's lost your mother or your grandmother or if you're one who never had a, a mother in your life or if you, maybe you were never, you're a woman and you were never able to have children or you're wanting to have children and you're unable currently. I know there's a lot of mixed emotions and I want to also pray into that this morning that the Lord would minister to you and that you'd experience something special this uh, Sunday, Mother's Day, in your life as well. So let's pray, men, children, youth, college students, let's pray right now over the mothers of LifePoint Church, over the ladies, over the spiritual mothers of LifePoint Church. Lord, right now, as a church family, Lord, we honor, we honor the women of our church the spiritual mothers of our church, the grandmothers of our church that have made us who we are. So many of them have encouraged us in our faith. So many of them have prayed. They've sleepless nights. They've prayed through the night for us. And Lord, uh, they've been such massive influencers in our spiritual lives. And so we thank you, God, for their lives. And I pray that this Sunday, this Mother's Day, 2020, even in the midst of all the craziness, Lord, they would experience something so special, so unique. The ministry of your Holy Spirit upon their hearts, upon their minds. Lord, they would experience an increase of peace as Joe was just praying. Lord, they would experience um, just the, the ministry of your Holy Spirit and anointing. I pray just for an increase at LifePoint Church of spiritual influence amongst the ladies of our house, Lord, that they would, they would have more opportunities to mentor the next generation. They would have more of a voice in young people's lives to, to point them to you. God, I just pray for that sort of just spirit-filled anointing upon the ladies of LifePoint Church. Lord, over every a grieving heart that's lost a mother or grandmother, especially as of late. I pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit as comforter and counselor to minister to their hearts, to bring peace. Lord, over every uh, individual that is in waiting, that's desiring to have kids, that's never had, uh, never been able to have kids. Lord, we just pray for healing, for wholeness. Lord, that as they delight in you, you'd give them the desires of their heart that, Lord, you would launch them into opportunities to be spiritual mothers, even in the waiting. I pray it in your mighty name, Lord. We thank you 
Thank you for the ladies of LifePoint in your name. Amen. So we do. We honor you today. Uh, secondly, before I welcome Pastor Tony, I will give him time, okay? So just be patient. I want to address uh, the reopening of LifePoint Church, which is happening next Sunday, May 17th. We are encouraged um, that we get to announce the reopening of LifePoint Church for in-person gatherings. We've never closed, but like for in-person gatherings, we're encouraged because you know the local trends, the case numbers have been still um, very low in terms of hospitalization cases locally. They've continued to stay low, and so there is an encouragement in our hearts to move into this phase of reopening LifePoint Church, but there's a couple things I want to make clear. First is online gatherings will not go away as we reopen in-person gatherings. So if you are an individual who considers yourself high risk, we encourage you to continue to stay home in the season to come. Uh, We are not going to downplay our online gatherings. We know it's not the same as in-person and that God has created the church to actually gather in person. But in this season, if you consider yourself high risk, we're still encouraging you to stay home. You're not going to be uh, in some uh, separate group from LifePoint. You're going to be included in what God is doing. We're going to continue to to make extra efforts to make you feel a part of what God is doing here. So I encourage you in that, both YouTube and Facebook, uh, both those platforms will continue to be streamed live on Sunday mornings in the season to come. But this is what reopening looks, looks like for us uh, in the next coming weeks. May 17th, we'll have two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. And our target is there's a lot of potential targets in uh, of trying to open up something for in-person, like live interactive services. Our target is to create an opportunity for a touchless service for adults. So envision this, the opportunity for you to come to church still engage with other people in meaningful conversation and relationship for you you to be able to park your car, walk into the church, find a seat, and never have to actually touch a surface or another human being. That is our aim, is a touchless service. All doors will be propped open. There won't be, we won't be serving any coffee or refreshments. Um, Even the check-in for Kids Point well, there won't be a touchpad, check-ins will be checked in by volunteers. And so we want to, as much as possible, create that an opportunity for a touchless service for adults. Uh, for kids, we are offering Kids Point at one of the two services. So please understand, we're not offering it at both services, just one of the services. We have Kids Point for ages zero through fifth grade uh, downstairs. And Nicole Barnes, our children's ministry director, is doing a phenomenal job at, at implementing extra measures and um, precautions that we're taking in our Kids Point area to offer that one opportunity for Kids Point ministry at 1045. So please take note of that and spread the word. There's more I could say about our reopening, but I will leave that to this uh, week to come. And so please continue to check our website. We will be posting an update on reopening and even more specific measures that we're taking to do this in a way that's both wise and responsible, but also true to us in actually facilitating meaningful uh, connection with people as the family of God. Amen? That's, what, that's our aim. So with uh, no further ado, I have to give it up for Pastor Tony. So for the leaders that are here, will you guys shout it out? Some huge thanks for Tony for bringing the word. Thanks, Pastor Drew. Man, I've just so appreciated his leadership throughout this crazy time that none of us have been through before. And uh, just done such an amazing job of uh, leading us, communicating well, 
leading us as a staff and as a church. So if you have an opportunity, just encourage him and um, give him a pat on the back. Or don't do that, actually. Um, like he said, my name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And this morning, I felt the need to just encourage, encourage us as a church um, I'm naturally, I'm a words of encouragement. That's my love language, and I'm an exhorter, so this comes easy to me. But, you know, this week, Miss Connie, who's one of our elders um, at Midweek Prayer, she just f- said she felt the need to encourage encourage me. So she spoke these words of encouragement to me and then texted Drew and, uh, and I later just uh, a long text that was just so, super encouraging. And I, I, I realized uh, I'm a person who needs encouragement normally, but in this time, man, I just needed needed that word. I needed that word. And so this morning, um, I know all the messages here are encouraging, but specifically this, this word this, today is, is meant to be a word of encouragement for us as a church. And um, we're concluding our series today, Ready for Our Hope. And so next week, Pastor Drew's going to kick off a new series called Authentic Fire. And um, it's going to be, it's really, really going to be amazing. It's been burning uh, on his heart. And we value, as a church, we value authenticity and uh, so we've been contending for a move of God, a move of the Spirit. We've been contending for God to heal, to restore our land, to heal our land. And with that, we want to make sure that it's the real thing, that it's not man-made, that it's not fluff, that it's not just us trying to, to stir up something within ourselves, but it's a true, authentic move of God's Spirit. So over the next coming weeks, we're going to be uncovering that. So uh, you're going to want to make sure not to miss that. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, that's towards the end of your Bible. And once you find 2 Timothy, we're going to put your finger or bookmark or something in there, and then we're going to turn back a few books to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul was a great exhorter and encourager, and so we're going to look at some of his words this morning. Let's pray before we start. God, this morning, we pray that your word would speak to our hearts. The same words, Lord, that you spoke to the church in Corinthians, you spoke to Timothy to encourage. Lord, we pray that they would encourage our hearts this morning. That they would challenge us to continue on, to not lose heart. I pray, Lord, Holy, uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd search us, roust out anything in our hearts that isn't pleasing, I pray as we're confronted with truth, we won't turn away from it. We'll press in and we'll push forward into it, no matter the cost, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 16, Paul says this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. I want to stop there. For just a moment, as every time I read that this week, every time I read that this week, it jumped off the page, and I felt like in my spirit there was somebody that needed to hear that specifically. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. In due time, you're going to reap a harvest. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Keep pressing, pressing on. I know this season is long. I know it's been lonely. I know it's been difficult, it's been confusing and discouraging, but I feel like God is saying, don't lose heart, don't lose heart. Keep moving forward, keep pressing on, keep pushing forward. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, 
Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Chapter 5, he says in verse 1, For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Paul says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. This life that we live right now that we're experiencing is temporary. So don't focus your your eyes on the things that are seen. Focus your eyes on the things that are unseen. Like in Colossians 3, he says, focus your mind on the heavenly things where Jesus is. Those are the things that that we use to renew our minds. Don't focus all of your attention on the seen, but what is unseen, for those things are eternal. And then he uses this phrase, and this is really going to be the springboard of of the trajectory of this morning. Because it's really um, caused me to consider some specific things this morning. So he says in in verse 1 of chapter 5, For we know that this earthly tent we live, if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. That phrase, an earthly tent, Peter uses that also in 2 Timothy that word tent, and he contrasts it with a house. I think most everyone on this planet would rather live in a house than a tent, right? A tent is temporary. A tent is temporary. A house is somewhere that, that has a foundation that is, that's dug into the ground. It has walls. It has a roof. It is a floor that's, that's, that, um, that protects us from the cold, from the heat. There's walls that protect us from the elements, from predators, hopefully of heat, air conditioning, a warm bed. I think most of us on this planet would prefer to live in a house because a tent is temporary. So he uses this to really change our mindset about this life. That this life, it does carry an eternal weight, but it's temporary. And so when we look at it like it's a tent, we know that, that one day, we're going to live in a house, and we're going to, an eternal house in heaven. Jesus said he's going to prepare a place for us. I don't know about you, but that's very, very good news. It got me thinking about growing up, um, my dad would take us camping. And I know there's differing opinions about what camping is. For some people, camping is pulling up to a camping spot in a condo on wheels and plugging that bad boy in and roasting some marshmallows. More power to you. I love you. Um, for us, camping was going to a place where there are no human beings. Uh, there's no water. There's no cell service. There's no stores. Um, when you get to your, your, your site, there would be a, a fire ring, and uh, in the back of the woods, there'd be a hole in the ground to go to the bathroom. That was camping for us. And I remember, I have so many, man, so many good memories uh, about those times with my brothers and friends. Um, you know, there were some years where it was just so, so, the weather was just so beautiful, the bugs weren't bad, and we caught a ton of fish. Um, there were some years where it rained the whole time we were there, and we didn't catch very many fish. We ate a lot of MREs and rice, and it was not great. And no matter how good or bad it was, towards the end of the week, we started looking forward to going to this little town, Ely, Minnesota, there was a pizza hut there. 
And towards the end of the week, we just you could start tasting that stuffed crust pizza. And we're like, man, we are going to destroy that buffet. And I remember every year we'd walk in there, we're just disgusting. And we smell. And I remember being 15 and being like, man, look at my beard. People like, can't even tell that there's anything there, you know. And, uh, but every time we would go camping, our mindset wasn't, hey, we're going to live here. I'm going here to live for the rest of my life. No, it was temporary. And so because we had a mindset that was temporary, it influenced uh, how we thought about it, how we went into the week. This isn't going to last forever. It also influenced how we prepared. What were the essentials? And I can tell you the first few times that we went, uh, we were not as prepared as we thought we were. There were things that we brought that we didn't need to bring. There were things that we should have brought um, that rookies uh, forget. And, but as we progressed on year after year after year, particularly my dad, Andrew, got really good at preparing and prepping for this week. So much so that people, um, after years and years of us doing this, people would, would contact my dad for advice about how to, what to do. What do I need to bring? What do I need to pack? What are the essentials? Can I borrow some gear? Because you begin to learn some things over time. And so if we have this mindset that this life, this earthly tent, is temporary, it should influence the way that we think, our mindset, and it also will affect the way that we live. What are the essentials? What do we really need to focus and fix our attention on? Because oftentimes we can begin to major on the minors. We can get off course. And so in 2 Timothy, I love this book. I know every time I share my heart, whatever portion of scripture I, I say, oh, man, I just love this. <laughs> I feel like I say that every time. But it's true. I love 2 Timothy. This is the last book that Paul writes. And so particularly chapter 4, this is the last, the last book or the last chapter in the Bible that Paul writes before his death. And he's writing it to Timothy. Now, Paul didn't have any, uh, he, didn't, he wasn't married. He didn't have any kids of his own. But Timothy was like his protege. He was like his son. So second, first and second Timothy, they're like a letter from a dad to his boy. And in chapter 4 specifically, this is like one of the most concise and um, emphatic encouragements from Paul to Timothy that we see. You know, Paul can sometimes have a tendency to be very wordy. And right here, he's just like, okay, here are the essentials. This is what you need to know. And so we're going to go through a few of those encouragements this morning. Paul was well aware that this earthly tent was temporary. And at the end of his life, it, as his time here on earth was growing uh, was going to end soon, it became even more real to him. And so he had some very specific encouragements for Timothy. So in verse 1, Paul says this. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Paul uses phrases like this all throughout his writings where he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. He's saying, essentially what he's saying, he's like, remember, everything that you do, everything that you do, do it like Jesus is with you because he is. The same thing as Colossians 3 when he says, everything that you say and do, do it as unto Jesus. 
Or in Galatians 1, when he asked the question, who are you trying to please? Who are you, who are you living for? Remember, Jesus is always with you, and he's not like he's hanging out behind your back just wagging a finger. I wouldn't have done that. wouldn't have done that. But in a way that we, we, we live our lives, we say, God, I want to please you in everything that I do. So remember that Jesus is always with us. He's always with us. Everything that we say and do, do it as unto Christ. And so then he, he goes on this and says this in verse 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in and out of season. I believe the first encouragement that Paul has given Timothy and, uh, for us today also is be a good steward. He says, preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Timothy was called to be a, a preacher, an evangelist, a pastor. So he's saying, do what you were called to do and be ready. Always be ready. No matter what season is, no matter what the circumstances look like, be ready. It's in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy he encourages Timothy like this. He says, For this reason I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. He says, fan into flame that gift that God has given you. Fan into flame that gift that God has given you. And every, every single one of us, God has entrusted us with something. And I think for many of us, we want, when we receive that gift from God, we want it to be in its full and final form. But God gives it to us in, like a coal, like an ember. And we fan it into flame. Paul is using this metaphor because in those days that they lived, everybody had a fire in their house. They used it for everything. And sometimes at night when they would go to bed and during the night that fire would go out. And so what they'd do the next morning, they'd get up and they'd go to the neighbors and they would ask for some coals. And the neighbor would give them some coals or some embers. And they'd bring that coals, those embers, back to their home and they would fan it into flame, into a fire that was useful for something. But the neighbor didn't come over and do it for them. They gave them the coals and they took those coals and they, and they fanned it into flame into something that was useful. And God gives us gifts and he gives it to us in in different season and in different ways. Sometimes it comes to us in a thought. Sometimes it comes in a natural gifting. Some, sometimes it comes to us in an idea. Sometimes it comes through somebody else. But we receive it in this coal form, and we have this responsibility in our partnership with God to steward that gift, to fan it into flame until it can be something that's useful. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the talents and the things that were given, and he speaks very, uh, very strongly about how to be a good steward. It's a principle of the kingdom. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. You who have been faithful with little will be given much. You who have been faithful with little will be given much. This principle of sowing and reaping, those things that you're given, you're, you're faithful with those things. And God sees that you're faithful, and he gives you more. He gives you more. And we can't just wait for the right circumstances. Sometimes we live in the perpetual future. We think, once I get here, then I'll start doing this. But that day never comes. And that, when that day comes, it has its own set of issues, its own set of problems. We can live in this perpetual future until the end of our life, and we are out of time. We need to steward the things that God gives us. I've been so encouraged this last year. Um, my nephew Bryce, uh, Pastor Drew and Tanya's son, uh, last year, he came up to me and asked me, he's eight years old, he asked me if I would teach him how to play the drums. 
And I, that's the first time an eight-year-old has ever asked me to teach him how to do anything. And I can tell you, I've had many adults in my life have asked me to teach them how to play instruments. And uh, they do it for a little while, but then they can't hang. And, um, man, I said, Bryce asked me, and I said, yeah, man, I'll teach you. Of course I'll teach you. But you have to make me one promise, and that's that you're going to practice. Because it doesn't matter how many lessons I give you, if you don't practice... Uh, you're not going to get any better. And he said, I'll practice. I will. I promise. I promise. So they set up a little drum set at their house. And um, we began, and that was about a year ago. And I've just been so impressed to watch him steward that well. He's so diligent. I mean, naturally, he's coordinated, he's athletic, he's musical. But that's not enough. You have to steward that. And so I've just been so impressed. As he, he practices. He's all almost better than I am, and so he's very close, he's very close to playing on Sunday mornings, and he's going to be 10 years old here, pretty close, so Jake and Matt, I'm so sorry, you're going to be out of a job, but we don't have excuse. our best excuses are just sorry, God is calling us to something greater, we need to steward these things that God has given us well, and no one else can do that for you. So he continues on in, in verse 2. He says, correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For a time will come when people will not put up a sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. I think one of the essentials that Paul is encouraging Timothy with and us today is be a lover of truth. Be a lover of truth. Be someone who pursues truth with a tenacity. And I don't mean that the truth is in like we're the fact checkers of the world. That's not our job. But that we pursue truth with a capital T, Jesus. And that comes through his word. That comes through his spirit who are in perfect marriage together and never contradict one another. Be someone that, that doesn't just search the scripture looking for something to validate the way they feel about something or their worldview. I mean, it's easy to rip pages that we don't like out of here or just extrapolate uh, certain scriptures that, that back up our, our argument. It's easy to cherry pick. But I want the whole counsel of the word. I want the whole counsel of the word. I want, I want when I confront truth and it doesn't, it doesn't mesh with my heart, instead of changing the truth to fit my own desires, like Paul is saying here, I want, to be con- I want to be conformed and transformed and renewed in my mind to what the truth says. Because when I confront truth, a lot of times we say, that doesn't match up with my experience, so let's change this to match my experience. And what happens is we have a substandard truth, and it's actually not a, 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 a it's not truth. It's a, it ends up being a lie, and it's like what our, like what Paul says, we we turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We only seek out people or things that, that, that scratch that itch. Makes us feel a little better about ourselves and our situation. But we can't allow our experiences to govern what we believe. Otherwise, we begin believing silly things or non-scriptural things. Francis Chan says this, He says, I think the fear of God failing us leads us to try and cover for God. This means we ask for less, expect less, and are satisfied with less because we are afraid to ask or expect for more. 
We even convince ourselves that we don't want more, that we have all the God we could need or want. I can't imagine how much this must pain God to see his children hold back from him out of fear that he won't come through. How much it grieves him to watch his children ignore promises made throughout scriptures due to the fear that those promises won't be kept. We have to be lovers and seekers of truth. You know, there are things that I read in this word. I read about Jesus and his life, and I think, and there's something in my flesh that goes, oof, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good to me. There's a lack somewhere. Is a lack with me? There's a lack with God's word or his spirit. I think we know the answer. The lack is with me. There's a transformation that needs to happen in my heart. It says, I don't want to settle for anything less than your best, God. I don't want to settle for anything less than, than the highest degree of excellence in your truth. I don't want to settle for a subpar gospel, one that meets my desires and my thoughts. You know, a couple years ago in our life group, my wife and I, we had a friend, and uh, she struggled with, with health issues, very serious health issues, and um, she had, like, this autoimmune disorder where uh, it would keep her in bed for days on end. Uh, she could barely even open her eyes. She would vomit. She was dizzy. She was fatigued, all these things, and it was really, really frustrating because the doctors didn't know what was going on other than that. It was some autoimmune disorder. And so to not be able to know how to deal with something can be even can just add to the frustration and discouragement. So she would, she was dealing with this. And uh, one week in our life group, she opened up about that, about her struggles with it and um, what she was dealing with. And I just love it. Anytime people are open and transparent with their, their, their church family, they're in a safe environment like that where you have people that, are, that love you, I just think that's amazing. And... I remember, I'll never forget it. I remember as she was sharing, she said, and I don't, I don't know why God gave me this, this disorder. I don't know why it's, why, God, why it's God's will for me to have this, but I guess he's trying to teach me something. And, you know, we hear things every day that don't necessarily match up with the word, and we don't need to go around setting everybody straight. And um, if you're someone that does that online and you call yourself a Christian uh, I would just counsel you to stop that. Um, but there are those moments where, just like we read here from Paul, where we correct, rebuke, and encourage with patience and careful instruction. We do it like a loving father does to their child or a loving mother does to their child. We're not heavy-handed. We're not condemning. It's to bring clarity, it's to bring correction so that freedom can happen. And in that moment, I remember just something stirred up and I said, man, thank you so much for sharing that with us tonight. I know that took a lot of guts. And, um, but I, I want you to know that, that God did not give you this disorder. This is not from him. This is straight from the pit. This is straight from hell. This is not God's plan for your life. It is not your will. He came, he sent Jesus so that we could be healed and his will for you to be healed and set free from this. 
would it be okay if we prayed for you? And, you know, it was one of those moments. It was awkward. <laughs> and her face was all red looking at me. And she agreed to pray, and we prayed over her, and we moved on. That next day, I got an angry phone call. Um, how could you, you know, from her, how could you embarrass me like that in front of everybody? And how do you know it's not God's will for me to have this? How do you know that? And I said, well, because that's one of the reasons that Jesus came, so that we could have healing in our bodies, restoration for the here and now, not just for the future, for the here and now. And I know it'll be on a shadow of a doubt that God is God's will for you to be healed. And so, and I, I apologize for embarrassing her, and we reconciled, and we went on, and um, weeks passed, and she didn't have any of her, any episodes. A month passed, two months, three months, a couple more months. She went to the doctor. The doctor wasn't sure what was going on. After about a year, the doctor concluded, I don't know what happened to you, but whatever happened, is, it's, it's done. It's gone. It's stopped. And you know, when you confront truth with a capital T, when you confront truth, it changes our paradigm. Every, every time that we see someone encounter Jesus, it completely shakes their, their world. It changes them. And when you, you're dealing and struggling with something um, so difficult and you meet Jesus and he, and he shifts something, he ch- it changes your entire paradigm. Because after that, and she just started to go after Jesus with a tenacity. Now um, she is prophesying to her neighbors, to people at work. Um, her, her marriage has just been like completely turned upside down in a good way. Um, she's just... Jesus has completely changed her life. And it came in a moment of being aligned with truth. That what I was believing wasn't true. But here's what God says about it. So we need, we need to understand that, that there is a, a seriousness and an urgency to being people that love truth, that go after truth, that can't eat it up fast enough, that are just so hungry and thirsty for truth. It said, when a lie comes from the enemy, it would come, and, and we're thinking, this is so st- silly. This is so stupid. How could you even think that I would believe something so ridiculous? Because we are so grounded in truth. So grounded in truth. Paul continues on in verse 5. He says, but you, Timothy, keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all of your duties of your ministry. I believe Paul is encouraging Timothy and us today to be diligent and focused. He says, but you, he's reminding him, Timothy, keep your head. Keep your head. Keep focused. When the whole world is panicking, you're not going to panic. When the whole world is consumed with fear, you're not going to be full of fear. You're going to have power. You're going to have love and a sound mind. When the whole world is disoriented, you're not going to be disoriented because you're going to be rooted and grounded in truth. Keep your head. Remember who you are. And through that, you're going to be able to endure hardships. Difficulty is going to come, but you're going to endure. You're going to power through. You're going to persevere. And you're going to do what God called you to do, what God put you on this planet to do. It's a question I want every one of us to ask ourselves. God, what did you put me on this planet to do? I believe there's something specific that God has put each one of us on this planet to do. 
In the most general sense, if you don't know specifically what it is, in the most general sense, it is to love God more today and to love people well. God put you on this planet to love him and to love people well. And then in that, God gives you the specifics of what you are called specifically to do. But it's so easy for us to forget. It's so easy to put our, our heads down. And then we look up and we're, we're, we're completely off course. You know, I remember one year when we were up camping, we, uh, so we would, we would canoe across these lakes and then we would pick up our canoes with our packs and we would carry them, we'd portage over um, land and then we'd get back in a lake and then we would go over that lake and do that several times until we were way up in the middle of nowhere. And I remember one year, it was one of the first years we went, standing on the shore, there was this huge lake and we're thinking, man, this is a big lake. And we have these little canoes and I'm like 15 years old, and I'm like, I don't know. And it was so windy that day. I remember the wind was coming straight at us. And so you're paddling, you're paddling, and it feels like you're going nowhere. So the tendency is just to put your head down and start paddling. But before you know it, you're getting off course, and the wind's blowing you around. And so my dad would say, pick, we got to pick a spot on the, on the shore, on the other side of the lake. And even though it's really far away, we got to pick out that spot and keep our eyes fixed on that spot, and then we won't get off course. It might, feel like we're, it might feel like we're not making much progress, but we're not going to get off course. We're just going to keep pushing forward. And man, I'm not out on that lake still today, so you know we got there, right? <laughs> we got there eventually, and it was hard work. But we need to focus and fix our attention and not get our, our focus uh, um, distracted by the things of this world, or even just the busyness of life. Stay focused and fixed. What am I put on this planet to do? God, what did, you, what did you put me on this planet to do? And all of us are in different seasons. I recognize that. Some of us are in a sprint season. Or we're just, hang, it feels like we're just hanging out for dear life. For some of us, we're, we're, we're in a season where things have really slowed down. And you're feeling even almost purposeless. God, what did you create me for? For this season, for the right now, the here and now. What are you requiring of me? We can't afford to panic we can't afford to live in fear. When we live in places of panic and fear, we make terrible choices. But we need to ground ourselves in the wisdom and truth of God. Focus and fix our attention on Jesus, and we won't get off course. Adrian, you can, and the worship team, you guys can come. <clears throat> a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago now, um, a good friend of mine passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And um, this is my friend Chris. We met him. He was our neighbor in Iowa City. He was 68 years old. And um, he was one of those friendships that I had that I never would have expected in a thousand years. <laughs> Chris was... Uh, he defined big. Everything he did was big. He drove a big Cadillac. He had a big booming voice. He was a big man. Everything about him was big. And, uh, but he just so loved Jesus. The first time I met him, they moved in and we went over to introduce ourselves. And, we, and the first, one of the first things he did is started telling me about Jesus. And then he asked me what I did for a living. I told him I'm a pastor. And I remember he clapped his hands. He was like, are you f serious? Wow. And he asked me what church we were a part of, and we told him we were part of Life Church. And, and 
in Coralville, Iowa. It was a Pentecostal spirit-filled church, and he said, Tony, is it safe to say that you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? And I remember laughing and being like, yes, Chris, it is safe to say that. It is. And he said, well, we are going to be friends. And I said, yes, we are. And right there in the driveway in the middle of our neighborhood, he just began to pray over us. And that, that really defined our, our friendship. He was such an encouragement to me. Spoke words of life. Um, he spoke a word over this church, that this church would be a hospital for the hurting. That people would come from all over the world to receive ministry and healing here. I remember there were so many times that um, I would catch him telling people about Jesus. So I, he had some health issues, and I would go visit him in the hospital, and I'd walk in on him, <laughs> this poor nurse, hearing about Jesus <laughs> and his testimony. You know, Chris gave his life to the Lord in his mid-40s, so he had broken marriages prior to that, broken family. But when he gave his life to the Lord, there was just this turning in his life. He wasn't perfect, but there was this turning in his life. He said, I'm going to run after Jesus with everything that he is. And that's what he did. A couple of months ago, he called me on a Friday. And he said, Tony, I just felt like I was supposed to call and pray for you. And I remember just, I always appreciated that. And so he called, so he prayed for me. We said, I love you. And I hung up the phone. And two days later, he died in his sleep. You know, anytime somebody passes away like that very suddenly, even if you don't know them or not, um, it's just very jarring. You know, they're there one day and they're gone the next day. It shows you the temporary nature of this life. We don't know how many days we have. I mean, Chris is having a party with Jesus right now, riding his ridiculously huge motorcycle in heaven. I remember at his funeral, a number of people came that I had never seen or met before from all over the nation, and People got up just to talk about Chris. And a man got up, he said, I'm the, I was his bank teller at the bank. And he said, every day, every time that Chris would come in, he said, I would, uh, he said, I just, I'd say to myself, oh, it's gonna be a good day today. Because Chris was just so encouraging. He said, six months ago, Chris led me to Jesus. His son got up. He said, man, for years of my life, I was running away from the Lord. And then I, I, my dad gave his life to Jesus, and he thought, oh, this can't be real. And so I just watched him for years and years and years. This year, my dad led me back to Jesus. And person after person, guys from their jobs said, man, Chris, we just loved having him work for us. Everybody loved Chris. He was just the most encouraging guy so comfortable in his skin. He was strange, but he didn't care. This life is temporary, but there's an eternal weight in which it carries. 
for the next. And I believe that when we meet God someday, we meet Jesus someday, we stand before him. Hopefully, he'll say, hey, look at all, all these people that are here because of you. You were faithful. You were faithful. In verse 6, Paul goes on and he, he says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, to all those who long for his appearing. Imagine Paul, he's in prison as he's sharing these words. Imagine he's looking down at himself, his body has been broken down so much by this time. He's looking at all the scars. He's thinking about the times in prison, his shipwrecked, the beating, the sufferings, the friends that he made along the way, the amazing things that he got to see God do and he's saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. But you, Timothy, you continue on. Do the things that I've taught you. Do those things that I showed you. Be faithful. Be a good steward. Be someone who loves and seeks truth. Stay focused. Remember who you are. Don't, get, don't deviate from that. God is always going to be faithful to you. Hopefully this morning you're encouraged by that word and that even though this life is temporary, 2 Peter says that God gave us everything that we need to live for him. And because of his precious promises, we can stand firm on that. Let's pray. Today there's some of you that I know this, this season has gotten long. You're unsure about the next. Where do we go from here? What does it look like? I just feel like today God is saying, I want to reorient you. I want to center you on my truth. I want to bring you back into alignment with what I've called you to do. Or maybe you're listening this morning and, and you, you say, you know, my life is not right. I don't have, my, my life is not right with the Lord. I'm far away from him. And I need to surrender my heart to him, my life to him. If you're either one of those, if you need to give your life to the Lord, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And as I pray that prayer, I want you to agree with me. In your heart. I pray like this. God, I recognize that I'm far away from you. That I'm not where I need to be. That I've gone my own way. That I've pursued the things of the world. I've pursued my own thoughts and desires. But now I just turn away from those things and God, I start pursuing you. Start pursuing you with everything that I am. Just receive that gift of salvation that comes through the blood of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, you just come, live inside me, guide me, rouse out the things that aren't pleasing in my heart. In 
Jesus' name. Lord, for those who just are growing weary in this season, I pray just for fresh encouragement in Jesus' name, fresh divine energy, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. More direction and discernment. More stick Perseverance, persistence, and consistency, God. That we would be a people so grounded in your truth that no matter the season, no matter the season, God, we'd be bearing fruit. That we wouldn't be tossed in, to and fro by everything, every wind of this life, but God, that we'd be firmly planted. People so in love with this Jesus who gave his life for us that everything that we do, we do it as unto Jesus in the presence of you, God that we would just live for you, live for you with every moment that we have, every breath that we have on this planet, God, we would live for you. We would live for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.